This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Blue Apron. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers the fresh ingredients you need to create home-cooked meals. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to BlueApron.com slash badchristian. Today's show is also sponsored by Texture. The Texture app lets you tap into the world's most popular magazines anytime, anywhere using your smartphone or tablet. Right now, Texture is offering our listeners a 14-day free trial when you go to texture.com forward slash badchristian. That's 14 days to try Texture for free when you go to texture.com forward slash badchristian. And finally, today's show is sponsored by Stamps.com. Buy your postage online at a fraction of the price without ever having to leave your home. Sign up today at Stamps.com and use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN to receive a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. That's promo code BADCHRISTIAN to receive your four-week trial today. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Hey, Toby. Toby, kick me a little mellow beat. A little mellow beat. Hey, 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 go. Hey, all you Proverbs 31 women, all y'all come to the front. Now, I know you've been uh, seeking wool, flax, and shit for a long time. Wool and flax. You've been considering those fields for your husband, but it's time to get your ass loose. (laughs) Three, two, one. It's the Bad Christian Podcast. What is a Proverbs no 31 idea. woman yeah, for, no for idea. those that don't know? What is that? What's a Proverbs 31 woman? Uh, well, it's it's a passage. It's the last chapter in Proverbs, uh-huh. and it basically uh, describes what women should do. They should be very submissive, work really hard, Hallelujah. work behind the scenes, Amen. make sure it's behind the scenes, making money to supplement husband's incomes, take care of the kids. Yeah. God it's said a beautiful it. depiction. Jesus, depiction. God, Lord of all, said that, and so women stop trying to not do that. That's right. It, get, it gets you in trouble. <laughs> Read Psalm thirty-one. Thank you, Pastor Joey, for showing us. Well, that. I just wanted to cl- clarify that because Joey has a tendency, and I will we'll discuss this later, not right away, to make jokes and do things that or references that people have no idea what they are. I wanted to clear the Proverbs 35, 31 woman. Now, with that being said, uh, what do you guys want to talk about today? What do y'all want to do today? Well, I, first of all, for you listeners that are just tuning in, I cannot wait to hear whether or not Toby pulls off a number one smashing hit worship song. Last week, we actually put him up to the challenge with John Mark McMillan, and he said he's tuning in tonight to see if Toby did it. But I asked Toby point blank. I'm no John I Mark said, McMillan. Let me at least say that. I'm no John Mark McMillan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not trying but to do in, that. But in front of him, I just thought it was so classic. I was like, I love my best friend because he couldn't he couldn't be dishonest. I said, Toby, you mean to tell me that if we give you one week, you will write a worship song that should be able to smash the charts and be successful? And he kind of put his head down a little bit, and he's like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as what we're going to do today, we'll just start off the show by let's just make fun of Christian music. Yeah, okay. that's exactly what I want to do. That's, it's my okay. dream come I'm true into that. episode. <laughs> totally into that. So, Toby, did you stick with your formula? Right. Did you talk about uh, geographic landscapes and then 
some pain and then well, don't metaphorically speak we'll, of we'll God. Just, yeah, I mean, let's just get to it. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to give away on my secrets, but I'll tell you all this. Okay, so I, I will say this. Obviously, there's some skill uh, when it comes to writing music and writing songs, and I. I but I want to say that um, this is. Uh, Probably the easiest job I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I, I mean, it's so like I I didn't really want to taint myself like by listening to lyrics from other Christian songs. Like I don't, I really do not listen. To, I've never listened to Christian music unless I worked at a church, which probably is a good thing that I don't work at a church anymore. Like I don't think I should be working at a church if I dislike. The, my job, the genre, the, the genre yeah. of music and the job of learning it and, and doing that. But so I didn't really listen to anything. But uh, when I got into the van uh, yesterday or whatever, Jess had it on like, you know, it, it, it sounds so awful. But, you know, it, Jess listens to some Christian music sometimes just because it, she doesn't care about m- the music. Because she's not a music not, fan. Currently. It's just nice the, to be in the background. it's on 105 The Wave. Of God, yeah. FM. <laughs> she, she would be God. so offended if you said that. But the, it, she is a music fan. But I don't know why on the radio she just goes to that. Like she's not going to go to classic rock or anything. So, and for some reason the Christian stations always come in really good. But I tried to stay away. But one because they got the money. But the first the, the first song I heard, I was like, I got to steal this, and I didn't. I was like, nope, just not going to do it. But the first lyric I heard on the Christian radio was. Uh, your scandalous love. <laughs> uh, you, you know how many, like, it's so hilarious how churches just love using that term. Like, I've heard that now in the last few years, just, oh, Jesus' love is scandalous. It's, sc- it's, oh, it's, it's filthy. <laughs> it's dirty. It's ne- like, like that idea, like, it's, that imagery makes, like, pastors and congregations just drool. Like, they <laughs> eventually, <laughs> eventually, eventually, they're going to say Jesus' love is just pornographic it's no, just they won't go that so far, sick but I, I see what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> they might they it's might just do that disgusting it's so wonderful <laughs> it, it's, it makes me so fucking sick jesus loves the nastiest shit i've ever seen in my life it's that good <laughs> is there a chance 100 years from now people would say jesus loves nastiest shit save me save by grace save me Nasty shit, save me. Is that what people are going to say? It's possible. Lord, I hope not. Anyway, so I, so in order to do this, I did drink a couple beers, and I'm ready to go. Um, so Let's if I can it. play my song, are, are y'all ready to hear my song? Like I'm, I'm excited let me, about let it. Me, I'm totally ready. Let me state for the record, I, I, for a whole week since we talked about this, I'm 100% a believer. I could almost guarantee that these songs are going to be pure gold in the genre in which they were created. Well, I'm not skeptical, but I'm saying I think it'll go over really well and be very impressive, is my prediction, as long as he doesn't overdo the parody aspect. I'm hoping that Toby keeps it right in the lane, and it's legitimate and not a joke, an overly parodied joke. But we'll see. Matt, I don't, I haven't Matt heard I'll it. back you. I'm, I'll back you on that. I'm actually really scared that maybe I did do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so easy. I mean, okay. I, I mean, it's just so easy to talk about the pain and the suffering in the mountains. And, you know, if you're going to write like every worship, it's the funniest thing in the world. When I was writing this song, I was thinking no worship leader goes through this stuff. Like every worship leader wears awesome clothes, has, you know, $60 haircuts, you know, lives great. And all this, they, they just have to talk about this faux pain that they have or something when they write these songs. So 
Anyway, all right. Hey, and, and li- listeners, you can go after Toby does this. So the question is, are is this song, or did Toby write a potential number one worship song? You can go to facebook.com forward slash badchristians, plural, and we have a survey going on. Now, right after he finishes, you can go over there and basically vote yes or no. Yeah, they, they're aware of how to use comments to critique matter like this on the internet so, so i expect aware. them to participate one way or the other now for the the people watching the live video feed the audio is not going to be good but you can ignore that part and then in the podcast yeah. feed it should be cleaned up because it'll be toby's local recording and, so. and i might play this song terribly as well because i just wrote it and i want to let me go one step for just for transparency for the lord and all stuff i wrote this song probably about an hour and a half ago <laughs> <laughs> Take it away when you're ready. Right. Don't rush yourself. All right. All right. Well, I won't. When the world crashes in and it feels like my heart will break. When the pain has no end and it's more than I can take. But I will run. I will fight to give back to you, the creator of life. When our hope is lost, no matter what the cost, I will run to you. I will run to you. He did it, folks. Through all the storms I've seen, your love has strengthened me. I will run to you. I will run to you. I will trust in your son, and I will run. Now, uh, I want to ask y'all a quick question before I keep going. Um, I wrote two more songs. (laughs) 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 So I can keep going with this. In the last hour and a half? (laughs) Yeah. So if you... Uh, okay, maybe two hours. Give me two hours on the writing all these songs, but um, so I can. You move got on more. To the next song if y'all want. <laughs> that was okay. First of all, that was awesome. Good job. Yep. Right, I like thank that. You. That was not. I don't want to say I told That you was so. right in the lane, for, in my view. Yeah. That was right okay. in the lane. Absolutely, what gets pitched at songwriting meetings every single day. Which I don't know why you don't do that, but whatever. But if you cranked out three, and, and so you yeah. procrastinated <laughs> until the day of the podcast, and then you knocked out three while you're exploring it, I guess. Yeah, totally. So, uh, <laughs> if, <laughs> all right, give us another all right. one. All right. So one thing I regret here is that I'm not playing Takamini. Like I'm playing a Gibson, which is a badass yeah, guitar. Cool. Uh, uh, no, a Taylor. I'm sorry. Should have I should be playing? Yeah, Taylor or Takamini. I should definitely be playing a Taylor to perform these songs because that's worship leaders love the Taylors, but uh, I'm I, I'm not. So you at least uh, use a capo on the last one. But here we go. Yeah, I know. I know. I used the capo. That's I thought that was pretty. Oh, awesome. this one's nice. It's E with those. You're in the key. You're gonna right. be in the key of the, E oh. with those two bottom strings ringing out. I'm excited. Right. About that. That, that is that is worship leader central right there. Yeah. All right. Sorry. All right. This one. This one's gonna get you. I think this okay. one. This one's gonna probably break your heart. So let's let's try it. Your words can move the mountains, even when I can't see the way. Your name can comfort the brokenhearted, even when we stray. 
forgive like no other. You love like I've only dreamed. God of all creation with us. You are why we All right, that's good enough on that Let one. I get it. see your face. <laughs> all right, so all right. So what I what I'll say about that one even is better. You did it again, but I think three years late. I think that 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 uh, chorus was probably three years dated, but it doesn't matter. Okay, right, let's, no, let's, let's right. crank out a whole nother one if you got it. That was great. All right, and then all right. We'll so vote. I got one. I got uh, I got one more. Uh. So this one, I, I actually dedicated, I want to dedicate this song to somebody, and this goes to Perry Noble, and this song's called I'm Not Done With You Yet, which was just, <laughs> which is the sermon he preached at Stephen Furtick's church. Okay. It was motivational to me, so. Uh, I was lost in a world of doubt. Couldn't find a safe way out. I ran away from the light of day. Trapped in a life without hope, without love Then from out of the storm came a voice up above <laughs> All right, I kind of butchered the course on that so one. It's we, a little, we, it's a for, little different. But. I mean, it, we couldn't sit through a full version, bridge, and multiple verses, but but clearly you've demonstrated that you could you could flush those songs out entirely and complete. Maybe you have more verses. I don't know, but I don't I don't want to hear oh, yeah. more. Oh, I got at this. I time, got plenty but, of verses left. But, I, I just hey, knew. So, so I knew it would kill go, y'all go on to, the inside. Go to facebook.com forward slash bad Christians. We have two pictures of Toby. One that says he did it. The other one says, are you kidding me? Like one of those pictures. Let us know. Yes or no. Uh, uh, all right. Let me ask here. you guys a question. Like, uh, like obviously, I mean, I wrote three songs. And, I, I mean, I have more verses and bridges and all this stuff. But, like, I wrote three songs in about two hours. There's a chance that one, at least one of them might work. Yeah, the right? middle one was my favorite. Yeah. And I would, I'd, I would pitch that. Yeah. So, I mean, all I need to do is spend about 10 hours next week, and I'll have a hit Christian album. <laughs> yeah. That's- I mean, two. if I can write three songs in two hours, so, I mean, 10 hours, that's 30 songs. I've got plenty. Maybe I'll say I, mean, I guarantee you there'll be 10. So, I, so I mean, I'm about to get rich. So, I'm about let, to get, get Furtick money. Let's remember, this is uh, this would have to be a combination of not only you're saying those sorts of songs to write are somewhat simple, but you are also very talented at writing songs. So even Joey, even, no even if you're involved. saying it's a simple formula, a lot of people couldn't do what you just did. Okay, no, well, I want to cl- clarify. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, uh, one of the verses was written by my five-year-old son, Ike. 
<laughs> I was I was stumped. He wrote it real quick. It, I, I don't even know. Now my question, Joey, to you, man. I know, I know you probably didn't, but Joey, I feel like when I was singing that that one of those songs, I think like the second one or maybe the first one, I think I saw you worship. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I should have raised my hands on that video. I, I know. I thought y'all were gonna worship. Why didn't you worship? I mean, it's just unbelievable. Now, so I mean, I I'm just I, I was being was, a consumer. That's all. I was just yeah, consuming. Oh, yeah. You were hiding in the back. Uh, let me uh, tell you, you guys didn't this, sit in the front we, row. <laughs> I saw it at church recently, and this is true. I was thinking. I meant to tell you this because you should write it in a, a comedy bit, or should at least be on the show. But I saw yeah. a uh, I saw a person at church on their phone this is true i saw a person at church on their phone hand goes up still scrolling <laughs> with the left hand one hand up other hand scrolling during the music at church i saw oh, that's it good. i swear i'm not making it up i wrote it down i was like i gotta tell toby this you should write it into something that is good but so somebody write that it's into just... a scene somewhere but that's the millennial christian out there one hand on one one hand in the air during the <laughs> That is so amazing. I, I mean, that that really is hilarious. Like, I mean, you have to like something on Facebook, and then you immediately know, oh wait, I better raise my hand so I can worship or whatever. So, I think anyway, they were doing, well, they were multitasking. I mean, it seemed genuine. Uh, who knows what they were doing? Yeah. But still, very very funny thing to see. But well, well I do want to say this. Uh, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate. It. I do want to say this. There is one thing that is uh, becoming very genuine in my life, Matt and and Joey, and and I want to say it is Blue Apron, our good friends at Blue Apron, and. I, here's what's really neat about Blue Apron for me and for for my family. Okay, I'm a terrible cook, and I'll even go so far as to say, even when Blue Ape, when we get our Blue Apron, Jess usually ends up cooking it. Now, what's cool about it is I do get I never cook ever, but with Blue Apron, I do cook sometimes because they make it so user friendly. I mean, I don't understand ingredients. I don't really care often. I really just want something that tastes good, and I'm bad at like spending the time. But Blue Apron makes it that easy. But I am getting to try with Blue Apron just fun things, like just things that I would never try. Like I use words now like fennel or <laughs> or, or, or roasted or, or, you know, I know that sounds funny, but like I, my parents, we, we grew up on like gas station food. Like literally my dad, once a week, we would go get gas station hot dogs and a bag of chip and a honey bun. Like I don't know about good food and Blue Apron has made it just amazing. And so I want to recommend it to everybody. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. And so and let me just tell you a couple of their featured upcoming meals uh spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives bell peppers and ricotta salada um i'm probably even saying that wrong sweet and sour salmon and bok choy carrot and ginger fried rice and i had that and and this is what's so neat that's what i'm saying like i would never think of ginger fried rice like if you asked me uh six months ago i would say yeah i don't care about ginger at all leave that away from me and now i go oh i get it now like i'm starting to get and understand ingredients and that's what i think is great not all ingredients are created equal fresh high quality ingredients make a real difference and that is true folks so it's important to know where your food comes from and blue apron just works with the best people they give you the best ingredients and it's awesome check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going 
to blueapron.com slash badchristian. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash badchristian. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Thank you. Double thank you, Toby. And thank you guys all for supporting our sponsors. It really is a dream come true that we can do this, earn money, and do it. So thank you for listening, and I hope you guys enjoy them. Now, I referenced it earlier that, it is possible, it is a thing sometimes that Joey makes references to things or makes jokes that people have no clue what he's talking about. And it, <laughs> I know that everybody out Matt, there knows Matt, that. it only happens 70 to 75% of the time. And it's one of Joey's, Joey's powers, defense. and it's it's he, he has no discomfort, and he really truly, I, I think it comes from just really believing fundamentally that He's just a secure person, and it's a re- it actually is a really nice quality, um, unless you don't know him that well, in, the ca- in which case it can make you extremely uncomfortable. Or yeah. if you're on a podcast with him, it can make you extremely uncomfortable at times. But it's a, kind of an endearing quality. Is you just assume that people know you and what you're up to and what you're doing and how to take things, and you don't sweat it. And I like that. But well, it gets and- you into some trouble from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, and it got us in big trouble this past week. I and here's big the thing, trouble, though. Very funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, funny big trouble. So I, part of me is I, I want to cater to the people that do get it, and that was a, a lot of people said about this whole ordeal. Let me tell you what the ordeal was. I made Thank an, you. A, an ironic tweet. It was satire <laughs> basically saying that the LGBTQ film Beauty and the Beast was taking – the whole thing way too far. And I literally said, have fun in hell, Disney. God bless. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which is funny. So, and of course, if you know you well, that you would understand if you that listen, clearly. If that's you listen true. to Bad Chris, if you've heard yes, two episodes, you know you know that it's a Obviously. joke. Obviously. So but in the here, Twitterverse, however, right, in the, right. if you just so, pulled up tweets randomly about Disney or hashtag Beauty and the Beast, it certainly... Right. <laughs> it's not going to be understood correctly. All right. So first Might of all, well here's come from I, Westboro. <laughs> I had to look up who this person was because I didn't know who it was first. But Michael Jackson's daughter, <laughs> Paris, <laughs> <laughs> retweeted and said, for a little bit of makeup and a split second of dancing together, honey, if you think that's too far, then maybe never leave your house. We everywhere. And we literally started getting tweet after tweet after tweet, <laughs> other other languages of people bashing us. And I was like, I give up. There's no way we can defend ourselves. So what I so did Michael do, though, Jackson's I, daughter Paris retweeted and attacked you for your homophobic yes, views. One one point two million followers. So <laughs> it, it got to a lot of people. And so I basically retweeted what she said and basically said, Oh, it sucks to be misunderstood. This was a joke. I love the Jacksons. And then she deleted her tweet so nobody could see it. And then I tweeted it later. So did I learn wow. from my lesson? No, I didn't. Yesterday I tweeted, It's time to start talking about something that no Christian leader ever dares to talk about. And then caps how to reach the millennials. So I get a response. A guy says, stop treating us like we're some foreign concept that needs to be studied and understood. (laughs) We're just human beings. (laughs) So I'm on a roll, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm on a roll. (laughs) Uh, It's just unbelievable. I mean, 
it's crazy. Like, uh, like you have you 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 suffer from depression. You have all this crazy stuff, <laughs> but yet, like, totally unaware of millions of people not understanding what you're doing, no or and and just loving it. Just like, but it's worth living. It, it's it's worth the risk though, because our fans got it. It's no risk for you. You don't understand whether either way. Like, it, you just, <laughs> like literally, when you tweet, you think it, it's either for for the people it's needed or. Nobody's going to pay attention anyway. I'm just crazy. But, I'm just going to say something if, wild. If y'all don't understand this about Joey, it's literally true that if you ask people that peripheral or barely know him or by proxy know him, they if you know Joey, you love him. If you don't know him, he freaks you out. <laughs> like, for instance, if you ask my sister, Emmy, or my wife, Bridget, about Joey, they the first thing that would come to mind is, oh, my gosh, I, I had no idea what he's ever saying or if it's a joke. He always does stuff in public that I can't understand. It makes me so scared and nervous and embarrassed, and I never know what's going on. It makes me very uncomfortable to be around Joey. <laughs> that's, what they, that's, that's their position on, jo- on Joey. But if you understand right. him and know him enough, he's just messing around with people, and I love it. I've always loved it. I've loved it since college. So, you know, it it definitely – you know, bites me in the ass from time to time when I'm trying to cover my face, which oh, happens on the goodness. podcast w- good once, stuff. once or good twice. Stuff. But good job, Joey. Yeah, definitely. Well, here's something that you're not ever going to cover your face about, and that's texture, because to utilize texture, you need your eyes. And I'm telling you, this app is simply wonderful, because those of you that like to read, which it's a huge percentage of the population, magazines are some of the most fun things to read. It's kind of short and sweet articles. And so here's what Texture does. You've got an enormous supply of magazines such as Time, The New Yorker, Vanity Fair, like all the all the big ones. And then you have some of the the, the little guys too. But what you can do is is you can create your own little list of magazines that you really want to keep up with and then you know sometimes go go out on a limb and look at some other stuff but here here's some magazines I have and I'm a father so you know this will make sense but cricket family fun uh history national geographic national geographic for kids smithsonian for kids sports illustrated today's parent so at a time when it feels like it's never been harder to find the truth. Supporting the free press is critically important. And from its inception, Texture has supported journalism, not just by offering access to great magazines, but also financially. A portion of every subscriber's fee goes directly to publishers. So Texture is searchable. You can mark what you like, check out back issues, view bonus video content, and they even curate articles and magazines just for you and whoever you're giving texture to this year. So texture is normally $9.99 a month. I mean, that's that's access to pretty much any magazine you would ever want to read on your phone for 10 bucks a month, and you get over 200. That's 200 magazines. But if you sign up right now at texture.com forward slash bad Christian, you get a two-week supply for free. That's 14 days free trial. Why subscribe to a just a couple of magazines when you can have all of your favorites on your smartphone or tablet all the time for way less. So Texture was selected as one of Apple's top 2016 iPad apps. So jump on this. Everybody else is. It's just a great way to read your stuff now. So again, uh, go to texture.com forward slash bad Christian for a 14-day free trial. That's 14 free days. Go to texture.com forward slash bad Christian. Stamps.com is amazing. It will save you time and money. And you can use that time and money to grow your business 
or just to help out around your house because everybody has to deal with mail and stamps.com is the best way to do it. So I can mail any letter or package using just my computer and printer and the mailman picks it up. That's There's nothing else to it. So you can avoid the hassle of the post office and mail everything from postcards to envelopes to packages, domestic or international. I want you to create your stamps.com account. It just takes you a few minutes, no equipment to lease and no long-term commitments. You click, print, and mail you're done. That's it. So unlike the post office, stamps.com never closes. Print postage for letters or packages at your own convenience 24-7, seven days a week. So that's the way it works. It's it's something that we've used. It's something that we used at Bad Christian long before it was a sponsor. It has been a very helpful service to us. So stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, or any class of mail using your own computer and printer. It's very easy. And right now, you too can enjoy the stamp service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitment. So go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Bad Christian. That's stamps.com, enter Bad Christian. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. All right. In studio today, which is a very fun thing and a treat to have somebody in studio. This is a double treat for me, and I'll uh, let me try and introduce our guests here. First of all, it's a pleasure to have have somebody in studio because it's real nice to talk face to face, given the amount of Skype talk we have to do. Uh, and secondly, it's a treat to talk to who I'm talking to. This is Mike Wilkerson. Mike Wilkerson is. Let's see if I can explain this just on a personal level. Who Mike is? Mike to me is. A God among men? No, he's not a God among men, but he's probably my oh, favorite okay. Christian. Uh, he, he's probably my favorite <laughs> pastor. Um, he's probably the guy that I respect the most that's been a professional pastor and the things that he's done. Now, I've spent a lot of time around Mike. I've taken classes that he's taught. I've done counseling. I've been counseled by him and done counseling with him. Um, he was at Mars Hill from long before I was there. And so I met him at that time. And I've always really admired and looked up to him a good bit. Mike, however, is a very calculated and careful person, which is di- way different than me, but something I'm attracted to in other people. I think it's really neat. In other people. In other people, yes. <laughs> I'm, a- I'm attracted to that in other people, that you can be calm and calculated and reserved and stuff like that. Uh, Mike uh, Mike is like a computer guy and a programmer and, and stuff like that uh, by nature and then found his way into pastoral care and counseling, and he started uh, Redemption Groups. And Redemption Groups is a ministry. It's one of my favorite Christian ministries out there. Uh, It existed during Mars Hill and now exists outside of Mars Hill. Just launched a podcast uh, this week, right? Yesterday, yeah. Yeah, and so Redemption Groups is something that I went through uh, as a participant, got a ton out of, talk about it all the time, and uh, then I became an apprentice and a leader and helped do some of that ministry for a period of time. So that's the background on who Mike is. He's still somebody that I listen to and want to hear from. And then after my uh, church, Mars Hill, fractured and fell apart, you know, I've never really found uh, authority and accountability in other people. And people like Mike are still people that I like to listen to or take admonishment from or you know, I think it's fine to receive accountability and stuff from people that don't necessarily go to your church or from its proprietary structure of this person's over this person. He's still somebody that I like and listen to. I think that's a good way to think about stuff. Now, with that being said, 
Mike being a calculated person and I, we don't necessarily even agree on everything. And here's, here's two. Mike has said that he thinks, for instance, that we perhaps use our uh, platform here and we act like we're not authoritative, but, but really we actually are. And that we are uh, sometimes speak not as careful as he thinks we should, which I, I'm open I just to want to say I'm to. done with this podcast. Also, I didn't know Mike. Mike I didn't know Mike was going to say that. Likes what we do, and we've done some really cool things that he appreciates. However, going forward, he doesn't know if he'd be comfortable with me being involved with Redemption Group Ministries anymore, based <laughs> on my I participation in this podcast. <laughs> but now I have participation. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> now you're coming in, and I just dared him to drink a beer during the episode, uh, but he's not going to do it. I haven't had dinner yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can you guys yeah, hear can Mike? Can hear okay. me? That's my introduction, you but can yeah. you guys hear yeah, okay, Mike and everything? Cool. We're all good? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I just wanted to say, though, like, no matter what, I know we, we both came out of Mars Hill and all that stuff. Like, I worked at Mars Hill, you guys, but uh, I'm done with this podcast. If somebody is going to question me and my authoritative stuff, I'm done. So, y- y'all... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know you're not used to this, but yeah, I'm done with this. This will be your last episode. Right then, now, Mike. Huh? Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, Mike, you've done. You know, we've been through a, a, a bunch of stuff, and we will not make this a Mars Hill episode. But if yeah. it comes up, totally cool. By yeah. the way, yeah. But um, so, Mike, it's kind of like we we get we get our cake and eat it too. We yeah. can kind of be reckless, say what we want to say yeah. and be like, oh, we're not, we're not authorities. Yeah. So nobody's yeah. going to listen to us yeah. for advice. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, like, Tell me that kind, kind of a, from your kind of a cop out. <laughs> you want me to explain what that concern was? Yeah. I want you okay. to explain like you encountering this podcast, what you heard. And yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm almost slightly uncomfortable here to hear so it. So I, I can't, I'm glad to do it I on cannot, um, I can't even answer this question without dipping into a bit the Marcel story Go for, for me because uh, that experience made me really, really aware, much more so than ever, about cultural kinds of matters mm-hmm. and the way that language works, the way that power and influence works, the way that developing and building a culture works. All that stuff had a lot to do uh, with what happened at Marcel. So I can't listen to a show like yours without drawing some you know, some inferences or conclusions mm-hmm. about what's happening here culturally. And so I have concluded that we we all have power. We all have influence. It's not a question of whether it's there or not. It's a question of how we steward that. So um, now here's the thing. I, I do think that the genre of this show, there's a lot of, you know, comedy, entertainment mm-hmm. value. And I know from talking with you that, uh, you know, entertainment is a value that you have in this. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to do the genre analysis, I suppose. Uh, what do you think about Toby's worship songs? Um, well, let me complete my thought because <laughs> <laughs> that take me down another road right there. Could be a case in point for me. Uh, so I'm just saying we do have influence. We all do. Um, you are using a genre that's more of an entertainment thing, but think about the comedians that you've enjoyed. You know that they're telling a joke. There also is a subtext of a message that they're conveying. And I had a friend years ago who enjoyed doing some kind of uh, amateur stand-up comedy, and he made this observation that I never forgot, that he thought com- stand-up comedians are like the preachers of our day. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, I, like that. I, I don't think it's too far of a stretch to observe that even though you guys are bullshitting a lot on here, 
Um, what you choose to laugh about, what you choose to make fun of, the kinds of things that you choose to say, even though it is a joke, and a, a lot of things are a joke, it is still uh, forming, it's, it's participating in a cultural dialogue. And so you have influence, and I think wherever you have power and influence, you have responsibility. I, I'm not trying to say that you should have an utterly different kind of show. I wouldn't be able to hang out on the show a lot. I can't even listen to all the shows <laughs> before I, I feel like I need to take a shower sometimes. But actually, oh, I kind of felt that way before I walked up to the mic here. But um, Just from our intro? Yeah. What, tell me what, I mean, just stop there. Like, what made you uncomfortable about that? We made fun of worship songs. Was it, I mean? Well, um, I, I don't. I don't love listening to Christian radio, so I can actually roll with that joke a fair bit. My uh, preschool son likes listening to the Christian radio station here. So in the car on the way there and back, and I put it to the back speakers and I put my headphones on so I can listen to a podcast, something good like Bad Christian or something like that. So I don't have to hear. So I kind of get that a bit. Um, But, you know, when you, when you um, made light of the phrase scandalous love, for example, Um, I think there's actually something important in that. And of course you're making a joke, but, uh, I, I do think it implies this is something that could be dismissed too lightly, you know, because what we make fun of, what we, what we laugh at is, is part of our cultural conversation. So we're laughing at the cliche there. Not the, not that I don't think that Jesus, the atonement is real and amazing and freaky and profound and, yeah. I th- I don't know. I mean, just because I laughed at the cultural cliche of pastors latching onto it, yeah. to me doesn't, and maybe that's not clear, I, but that would ruin the joke to then have to disclaim and say, but by the way. That's why I'm saying I understand that the genre here is comedy and entertainment. You can't be so careful or it wouldn't be comedy. You can't explain it all or it wouldn't be comedy. And yet, even though your intent is to mock the tendency to get into cliches, which, you know, yeah, I think that's funny. It's too bad that we get into so much cliche stuff. And yet, I do think there's something profoundly true and valuable, infinitely so, about God's scandalous love. Yeah, so you so, better not ruin so, it. So is the risk dis- dishonoring God or leading people astray? Like, what? what is, what's the risk here? Like, if what you're saying is true and that we're making light of something that there is validity to, what, what's, what's the risk? And also, you only pick on me. Yeah. <laughs> no, this started with me talking to Matt. This is the first time you and I have talked. So you know, let's just talk some more. Uh, so your question, Joey, was what's the risk? Right. I think right. If, I, in my mind, what I'm mainly thinking about is the impact it has on other people. Like what seems plausible, what seems good. Like a lot of people are asking questions about faith and Christian culture. I know there's a whole, there's a series of podcasts that I listen to that are all having, you know, what are called deconstruction kind of conversations and all that, a term I think is used a little bit sloppy, frankly. But anyway, um, and so people are listening in and they're making sense of things. And if one of the things we laugh about is scandalous love, I'm not saying God's looking down on you and doesn't get the joke. I mean, he gets it, right? but I don't know I don't know, but that they might think, oh, I guess maybe that's one of the things I should be kind of like, yeah. I should be kind of making fun of Christian music a little bit. And maybe there's some important ideas like that, that maybe I, you know, should throw that out too. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. I would, I would like to say this, I, I, Mike, I think I literally, and this sounds like I'm being 
you know, sarcastic or facetious. I agree with you. I think you're right. I, like I, th- I think with, <laughs> your 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 critique of us. I'm not surprised is, to hear that. <laughs> no, it, it, it's on point. But here's here's what I would say uh, to that is that in this instance, I feel like we're the only ones doing it. Nobody else is making fun of scandalous love. Nobody else is making yeah. fake worship songs. Nobody else is doing those things. So we are the one place where you could get that. Like when I go to church, that's what I'm saying. Like I turned on the radio and I heard scandalous love for real. Yeah. Like, but, but when I listen to that song, because I've been in a band and because yeah. I'm in the entertainment industry and all yeah. stuff, I realized that guy put that lyric there yeah. to sell units. Oh, I guess that's why I put that. I get you, that. you know what I mean? So, so I want to, I want to be able to make fun of that. That's one of the reasons I have a hard time actually listening to Christian radio and I've written some songs too. And so I'm thinking, Oh man, if I ever wrote a song, I can't use that phrase. That just ruined it for me. This, Good. this for me is this kind Good. of precious theology, but I, it doesn't feel right in that context. That's all we're pointing right. to yeah, is the I, fact that they've ruined it. Not that we think it's even bad. I mean, we're not making fun of atonement or, you know, whatever yeah, the theological I, I, I concept is. I get that. And you don't have room in this genre to show what you actually believe about God's scandalous love. You only have time in this genre to make fun of the cliche I can clear it that up. it gets used. I'm into atonement and the cross. <laughs> I believe it. It's true. It is. It is. That's true. I mean, yeah, let yeah. me be very straight. I believe in Jesus's death and resurrection. Yeah, yeah. I believe it. Yeah. I, okay. Now, I, back yeah, to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I, I get that. So I'm just thinking maybe I need to um, launch the podcast that I could run, and it just mirrors this one. And so I pick up each of those things, and I do my show, you know, riffing on those You're sort of things. You're just cleaning it up. I'm just going to clean it all up. So it's uh, maybe it's the Good Christian Podcast. I don't know. No, I, I couldn't stomach I, that, actually, myself. But the problem is the, the, the what, what we're pointing to in the way I look at it is the fact that I believe to some degree that these pastors and people and Christian culture is ruining things. Yes. That's all we're trying to point out. Is I, you can ruin this stuff yeah. and hijack it yeah. for so you can kingdom build. I get that. So we have to attack them. I, I mean, and I, yeah, for, so, I, can, so, I think you can so make fun of anybody, but surely there's such a protected group. Like it's a taboo to make fun of. I get that, Pastors? but if the summary of the of the the action that you're taking is you have ruined that, you have ruined that, but there's not something that shows. But here's what's good that you've ruined. Um, I, I don't. That that's just where your show that's leaves. That's why they're going to go listen to your podcast. Yeah, yeah, next. exactly. So yeah. everybody, check yeah. in Redemption Walk. Right, exactly. <laughs> just think of it as a counterpart. Now, Mike, that's okay. Mike, yeah. do you think there? Do you think there is some some validity to people actually listening? And being like, man, I'm so glad they're saying that because I've just I've heard this song or the yeah, whole yeah. Christian music thing just kills me. Oh, and yeah. I just felt so alone because I, I was the only one thinking it was shitty. But no, this is a big podcast. And they're saying, like, is there anything to that? Oh, like yeah. People like, thank the Lord they're making yeah, yeah. fun of this. I've thought that lots of times listening to your show. Um I don't know what one of the times in the past, maybe it was on the damn news, something about a science article and something about, you know, because Christians, I don't know which one of you said Christians don't believe in science or whatever. I understand that cultural reference and I actually think it's good. I understand that there's like a deep critique that you're doing there. I get it. And to me, that wasn't, it was kind of funny, but it's like painful funny because of even my own story. I mean, it's, it's sad, but true, you know, so I get that. And I also know that when you say some of the comments that on the surface would sound really sexist about women, you're also subverting and digging into this false gender role 
kind of stuff that happens in some church environments. So yeah, I get the joke. I, and I would say, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I feel ministered I to, to, this too. you know, by that, I, by that joke. I, I think, I think for me too is okay. One, uh, I, I'm not, and everybody goes, Oh, you think you are smart or whatever, but I don't think I'm the most intelligent person in the world. I come, you know, I, I, I have all this stuff that goes on my brain and keeps me from being that intelligent and I'm often lazy or whatever. But I would say in a, it sounds so bizarre to say this. And I know people don't totally believe me when I say this, I feel like we're trying to respect people's minds with this podcast. Like, Mm -hmm. like uh, you and Joey both went, like you said, what if, you know, there are people out there looking for stuff and you guys have a, a authority and are influencing them. And then Joey just said, Hey, don't you think there are people that feel alone and need to hear this podcast about Christian music or whatever? My point would be, I don't care. Like, I just want to be real and then take some of it. Like, I, I don't think anybody thinks of the bad Christian po- podcast as a religion or that they need to take that much of it, but maybe there's parts of it. So what I want to do is respect people's minds and go, Hey, yeah, I'm challenging, uh, you know, just to use the example we've been using, scandalous love or whatever. I just I made a joke about that because it it has become a cliche. It's not. It shouldn't be. I, I get the the idea of scandalous love and what it means and and the power it actually has. But what a cliche it's been. You know how many pastors I've heard use scandalous love because scandalous sounds oh edgy. It's just it's just a PowerPoint yeah, yeah. part. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so it, so it takes away the power. Like yeah. th- like I want I want to, if that's the case, then I'm not taking away the power from it. I'm just calling out the cliche that it's become. Yeah, and that's what I I, I want people to be able to see that now. Also, I feel like Matt set you up really poorly. Like you came on our podcast and, and <laughs> no, you, you like great. us and everything. And you we immediately Matt immediately started hammering you. And I, I think you're awesome. Like yeah. like out of all my experience with with to, yeah. uh, with uh, Mars Hill and all that stuff, like uh, Redemption Groups is probably one of the best parts about it. Like, yeah, yeah. If, it's if my I could, favorite if Christian I say, ministry, right? Of course, I'm not yeah, hammering I, the guy. I, could, I just want I just want, I, I wanted to get this le- I, on the level. And of, I do like listening to Bad Christian Podcast for a little while in doses sometimes. Okay. <laughs> Like so, two, two minutes. I, I do enjoy listening to you guys make your jokes and stuff to a point. Okay, so I get the <laughs> I get the genre. You don't and have to disclaim here and all that. And I'm here after yeah, all, absolutely. So, Which right. I think is good. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying whatever your intent is. I've also learned there is impact as well, and you can't control all the ripple effect impacts that happen. True. So you can say, I intend to subvert this cliche-ridden culture, the, but you can't control the impact of when you do that. You can't control the impact. And I hear uh, Toby saying, I want to respect people's minds that they can interpret for themselves and take away what they want to take away. And I think that's good, too. They, they should. But, uh, you, I mean, it's only Christian people that have declared their Christianity that you hold to that standard. I mean, if, if you, everybody's fine with watching... This is the thing that drives me crazy is everybody's fine with watching whatever HBO show they like, and then they will say, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. But there are others who, but I don't know who those people are. I've never met them. Everybody, I'm, I'm okay. I can listen to your show. I know you're joking. Mm-hmm. But there's others out there. I've never met them. I don't know who those people are. Everybody I know can engage with culture in whatever way they want to. And then go, yeah, but that was this, and this mm-hmm. is that, and I'll take mm-hmm. this from that. And I am, that's what Toby means by respecting one's mind. They know how to listen to it, or I hope they do. I'm, I, and I'm, I understand there's gullible people out there, yeah. but you can't, you can't live your life 
because of what you perceive to be the most gullible person out there. But typically, yeah, I mean, I we have Christians women not even to like this I've podcast. never met that person that's the <laughs> oh whatever you say they're so influenced by now they're they're crumbling yeah. because of what you've done. I never meet that person. Yeah, I only meet the person that's looking out for that fictitious yeah, person. Yeah, I get that. That's I, I'll take the point about you, you can't name the like the anonymous mass of people mm-hmm. who share your point of view. I get that. Um, although I do think you pushed it to an extreme that I wasn't saying, which is the the person who's saying, I'm just going to listen and, and take in whatever you say, because I'm not claiming that that's happening right. either. Okay. I think people know they're listening to a bullshit show. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet that. Thank you for saying shit twice so far on the that podcast. I've been so saying that more that, good, since good, Mars good. Hill than ever good, before. Good, good. It's just, it fits in so many places. Yeah. So. Are you less careful since Mars Hill? Uh, in some ways. Yeah. I'm, I'm less careful enough to be on this show right yeah. now. And 18 months ago, I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. And during Mars Hill time, it wouldn't even been possible. Oh, there's no way. Do. It wouldn't even have been like, isn't that true that in the Mars Hill culture, I don't mean that sounds a very leading question, but it just, this just wouldn't have been okay to participate in or have attached to anything. Uh, it de- I don't know. It depends. I mean, uh, actually part of what I feel like is what you guys are doing here is like we can subvert the culture and we can say the joke and we can cuss and whatever, drink the beer on the on the show or right. whatever it is. It's a, mean, that's a cliche in its own right. That, I that's what I'm saying. It's like, guys, this was Mars Hill 1990, whatever. Yes. I mean, how else? Mm-hmm. Mark was called the cussing pastor and all that. That's that right. was part of the shtick right. or whatever. Right. There was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're just keeping it real. Yeah, that's all. what I'm saying. So there's part of me that's like, I kind of been there, done that yeah. on, on this kind of thing. So uh, anyway, if you were, if if it was being on this show was perceived from that angle, then it would be high fives, you know, but potentially if it was perceived from another angle, it could be loss of employment and worse. So just depending on how it was spun. I wanted to ask, like, like what you just said, was there, did you feel real pressure? Like, were there times where, like, you were like, oh, uh, I can't do this, or I can't say this, or, like you just said, like, something could be interpreted one way or the other, and you might not know, and one could be good and one could be bad? Did you feel that way while you were there? Well, I don't know if that exact scenario that I just, you know, painted, I don't know if I can think of a concrete example of that, but um, I can remember, I and mean, this is going to sound, I don't know what this will sound like to you, but I can remember maybe five years ago or so reading a bunch of stuff by N.T. Wright, and there was certain yeah. stuff that the tribe, it was okay for you to like what N.T. Wright would say about resurrection, but you were supposed to disagree with him when he started talking about justification, just as an example. I mean, to somebody that's going to sound like completely splitting hairs, but I'm telling you, I really believed I would have gotten trouble if, if, uh, some, somebody knew that I still think that right now in saying these words, actually. Yeah. So when I was at Mars Hill, there was a time there toward the end when I was flirting with doing stuff like this, or maybe it even started this on its very simple level. It wasn't huge or anything at the time. And I was talked to by some leadership. Um, and what they told me was, listen, pastor Mark gets a ton of criticism and heat and he's a lightning rod. And so that's why we let him do that. That's why anybody else here doesn't need to do anything controversial at all. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to toe the line. And they were being very serious. Like, he will get a lot of heat because of what you may be doing. And he gets enough heat as it is because he's the one out there pushing the boundaries and doing the thing. So you have to keep it together. You can't tweet. It was about a tweet I made. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you can't tweet that because you'll draw ire or 
problems to Pastor Mark, and he, Gosh, that's his job that. to go do the do the boundary pushing or whatever it is. Yeah, we just had a bunch of weird stuff yeah. going on in our culture, and that just made me go like, uh, mm, mm, you know, I, I I just I knew that I knew that wasn't right, and so I have somewhat of a commitment to just not like. I'm very, I'm not, I don't know if the word's proud of it, but I'm trying to not protect myself and I just want to see how far you can take that and what will happen. And I've never found that anything happens and it makes me think everybody else is just afraid and it's, it's just okay. It's just okay to say what you think. It's gotta be other people know how to listen to you if you respect them. And so I've, you know, we, we're probably braver now than we were six months ago or a year Mm -hmm. ago. I don't know where it's headed either, but that you know that's the way i think would you say that we are potentially messing up god's kingdom advancement or like the work of the gospel (laughs) no i do not think you're thwarting the gospel or god's kingdom (laughs) thank you mike yeah Yeah. Yeah. hey hey, one question i want to ask how does something like how does an organization church whatever like mars hill attract so many good people though like 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 Uh, seriously i i I do think that you're a super smart honorable guy that wants people to know the lord and to be free from the the shit that they're living in and the the stuff that's just holding them back and the you know all the things that they suppress and and just the guilt and the pain all this stuff like you're just an example of a of a great guy that really does care how does some a place like mars hill attract so many people like i was attracted there and i'm not a good guy like i'm not mm. that good but i mean i had some talent and some a little bit of the tiniest amount of fame or whatever and it i was like oh i gotta go there like what is it about a place like mars hill that can do that we're drawn to power we're drawn to big we're drawn to opportunity um we're drawn into the recognition of our talent or our capabilities. Mm. I mean, that's, we're like yeah, we're like right. bugs into a zapper, uh, basically. Um, and so, yeah, I, I so I think there were a number of us that uh, we wanted to be part of all the things that were the best parts of Mars Hill, and there were lots of great things about Mars Hill. Uh, I still believe the best parts and still enjoy, I think, some of the the best parts of it and some mm-hmm. of the community and friendships that we have and things that I learned. And there was a mess too. And so a lot of us wanted to be about those best parts. Unfortunately, it came with some some pretty terrible bad parts. So um, I also believe that uh, a church, a system, and even a, a leader um, – that has some of the the qualities that Mark's ha- Mark has draws in talented people. They have opportunities yeah. to write the book and you know record the album and um, be part of something big and just feel. Don't, doesn't everybody at some level want to be part of something bigger than yourself? And yeah, uh, totally. and this was a big thing. And so there is that kind of sense of purpose and and all of that. And unfortunately for a lot of us, that just went really really dark. With mm-hmm. with how things ended, do you personally feel like you made a mistake or you believe something that was a lie? Like, do you say, man, I shouldn't have done such and such? I don't know if I have an answer to that. Next year when I'm on your show, ask me that one again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. I don't immediately feel this pang of regret like I definitely should not have been a part of Mars Hill. Um, I feel like I should have spoken up more and more persistently sooner and more often for sure. So I regret not pushing harder and speaking up more, but I don't think I regret being part of Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not even sure I would know how to do that yeah. because it's been such yeah. a deeply right, yeah. shaping right. yeah. thing for Absolutely. me. And I don't know how you would separate all the good from the bad. And, and right. so, 
Yeah. So a year ago, I, I asked you, would you come on this podcast and talk about Mars Hill? And like, again, we're not like you yeah, guys. We're not going to talk about Mars Hill. You, oh, no, I'm just saying you got to <laughs> trust me, guys, that we're not going to get into Mike's <laughs> personal experience because it's probably ten hours worth. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and it, it's a it's it's a lot, and it's intense, and maybe we'll do that in some way somehow. But I don't want to I I don't want to do that really today. But a year ago, I asked you, would you come on and talk about it? And you said no. But now you said you would, or you don't care anymore. So tell me what actually, has happened. I actually revised my no. If you remember, when we had mm-hmm. coffee, and I said I will come on though. And tell you why I think guys like me don't want to come on and talk about but t- it. <laughs> t- tell me, yeah, but t- tell me that though. Why didn't you, and why would you now? I can't remember what I was going to say back then. <laughs> I actually wrote some notes and I read them before coming on here, trying to remember what was I thinking. And here's 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 part of what I conclude from that. Um, it I just it felt so raw, and I do think there was trauma uh, involved. I don't know if I would be diagnosed or something, but. It just felt um, to speak up and openly and even publicly about things. Let me just say, in the in the in the implosion of Mars Hill, like late 2014, I I, I do think I was traumatized by the effects of public communication. I mean, I I still don't post my uh, Facebook if I post a status update. I still wince at the thought of of putting it on there as public. Um, there was something about the public communication and the right and entitlement people took to use public communications to remix them in different contexts and to, to spin different stories around them that was just really traumatizing. So that was, that was part of it. I think another part of it is a deep, deep desire not to be part of gossip. Um, but I even think that some of the understanding of what's gossip and what's not was skewed. To, to actually, avoid gossip there sometimes favors this, the, the powered party. That's right. It actually, it actually perpetuates the dysfunction of the system when you've got the wrong idea of gossip that you're trying to avoid. I think part of it for me also was uh, just kind of not ready to talk because of some like deep soul working through something that I can't even put words to. That's the part of the answer that I, I don't even know exactly where I was at last year. But it wasn't long after I told you no, that I kind of accidentally said yes to somebody else. And I did a podcast interview and I really fretted about that. But then once I got through it, it was kind of like, okay, well, I guess I can talk about it on a podcast now. And then I called you back and said, I'm ready as taking a year. So yeah, here we are. <laughs> I, th- I think the thing that people don't understand, and, and we don't want, once again, we don't want to make this a Marcel podcast or anything like that, but I think that the, what people don't understand is, I loved what you just said uh, before you answered that last question about how you can't separate the good from the bad. I feel the exact same way. Like, Mars Hill was so influential to my life. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, on a couple of times, like uh, like when we first moved out to Seattle and we and we went there and I was like, whoa, and I started listening to Mark's sermons and, and doing this stuff. And then when I ended up working there, like, I do believe, man, I became a better man. Like, I became a better husband. There's things that people were challenging me and, and questioning me and, and holding me accountable for things and uh, all this good. I was, I was called to go to small groups and mm-hmm. it wasn't just a thing where, yeah, you can go if you want or whatever. Like, like, I mean, there was so much good out of that. And I, I don't think that people totally understand at the same, like how hurt people were from because mm-hmm. of that good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's not, we're not talking about Mark Driscoll being just a shitty guy. No. Like what we're talking about is people were just growing and, and there was so much good 
and then all of a sudden that was that that part was taken away. It wasn't just only the pastor. There were like you like you know you were saying, yeah, yeah right. Loss, yeah. There's, there, there's there were, a loss there. I, and, and you don't know how to there figure were two it out. Mars Hills. There was the real one that we're grieving the loss of, and then there was this thing that was like in the press that right. was actually you know, Mark's right to stir up trouble with his own Twitter feed and all that. That was the other Mars Hill that I pretty much was blowing that off and ignoring that for most of the time I was there. I'm just, it, that was so ridiculous. You know, that was not the experience though of being right. in the inside of Mars Hill um, in, in some of the communities. But the reality is it was very big and there were pockets of different culture all over the place right. across many States. But it, this, the, the fact that we're not all over it yet, it's not even just an issue of um, can't you forgive and move on. It's the fact that there's a lot of pretty deep shaping that's happened. I mean, I'm just, I was trying to think of a, different metaphors, but like um, if you got in a car accident, it was the other person's fault and you lost a leg. And now you have a prosthetic limb that you're walking around on. You can forgive, but you're going to be limping. And every single day you're going to be dealing with this new leg that you weren't born with right. and you can forgive, but you still will spend every single day and every moment of your bodily awareness knowing you lost that limb and your life is different now, you know? And if somebody says to you, Hey, can't you get over the car wreck? Can't you get, can't you forgive that person who was drunk and crashed into you? Well, yeah, I did that a long time ago. I'm still missing a leg, you know? Yeah. So right. we're not going to be over this ever. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That that's, yeah. It's so it, frustrating. Cause you know, we, we we have been doing some interviews specifically about Marcel, uh, like your wife, for instance. That episode's going to come out on Pastor with No Answers next Monday. And some some of the reactions that we've gotten, they're seriously people that had nothing to do with Marcel. They were not involved in any way, shape, or form, and they seriously say something along the lines of, "You're beating a dead horse. Yeah. Like move on." And yeah, we actually even had someone say. Leave Driscoll alone. God is obviously opening doors for him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have started a church. Like, what What do you think you being in the middle of Mars Hill in the leadership and rubbing shoulders with Driscoll, what do you even think about those sorts of thoughts? Well, I, I think I answered what I think about the beating a dead horse one. Uh, yeah, right. Because right. I saw that yeah, comment. Yeah. Uh, somebody made me aware of it, and I saw it on your Facebook feed or something. And um, it's just not... Does it make you mad or you're just like, whatever, F those guys? <laughs> well, I don't, it makes, maybe it makes me mad, but I, I don't know if it's like peaks of the anger meter for me, but it just says, I know that that person doesn't understand. And there's a, there's a significant lack of empathy there, which I think I could get if I was on totally on the outside looking in, it would be hard to understand what it is, why we're still limping, some of us, because it's an experience that's so deeply internal. And I don't know how somebody outside that experience could fully, yeah, could fully understand sense. it. No, that, that's so, true. And, and, and I wish they wouldn't be flippant with those comments. I just know, right. yeah, he doesn't get it at all, but I'm glad that I'm here to walk with people that are still feeling it. And I know that the people that I'm walking with, when they hear somebody say, I'm not over it yet. And I, sometimes I feel bad that I'm not over it, but I'm still working through it. They feel relieved because they know that's reality for them too. Yeah, you know, and I mean, and again, it's not to, to denigrate that or whatever, but let's let's talk about what I feel like is a a, a beacon. For, well, okay, first of all, the reason it's important is because whatever it was, it's not unique. The, these are inherent things in power structures and churches. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you agree that it, whatever problems Mars Hill had are simply 
uh, maybe a hyper version of ones that many, yeah. many, many cultures and yes. churches and stuff have yes. for whatever as fundamental as, flaws we have. Of as what far as built. I can tell, the problems we had were the problems that yes. pretty much every Christian institution has. Yes. We just managed to become like the epitome and the, yeah. the just the worst end of the spectrum right. of it. So that's why it matters. It's not a small group of people just talking about yeah. their shit endlessly. Yeah. It, it, it was a hot burning thing, implosion yeah. that speaks to what's to come and all yeah. the stuff that happened there will gradually be unraveled in other yeah. communities and you will yeah. see it. So it's worth yeah. learning from, but let's talk about what I would say are some of the good things about it or my favorite beacon of what came out of Mars Hill. And that's redemption groups. I think it's an amazing yeah. thing. And your podcast just came out. Um, the thing I like about redemption groups is it's, uh, if people don't know, it's like this thing where it's like eight, I don't know, eight's ideal size, right? Eight to 12 people yeah. in a group. And there's a dynamic in when you get in a, a group of eight to 10 people that are highly bought in and have some leadership and they're really going to feel safe and be a therapeutic place to speak to and, and spend time talking to each other and really get into some of the depths of what's going on mm-hmm. with them. That was the most, probably the most powerful Christian experience I've ever had was mm-hmm. a participant mm-hmm. in a uh, redemption group. And uh, you felt emotions during that time, right? I, did you have an emotion? I did. I did. I, I, it, it, One or I two. Did. I, had, I did. No, I cried. I mean, I, everything. Yeah. I mean, I did the, you know, it was uh, It was very difficult for me. And I faced some stuff that I'd never thought about that some people pulled out of me by being slightly aggressive, um, honestly, at the time. But I really appreciated it. And then I saw some amazing stuff as being a leader in, in that and doing that. I think it's a really neat thing that that has survived Mars Hill and, and still continues to, to go. And is that your... Full, your main gig is running redemption groups currently. Yeah, it is currently. Yeah. Uh, I'm working full time for a church in mm-hmm. Anchorage, Alaska. Actually, we we help train them up for redemption groups, and then um, uh, I'm still trying to get the nonprofit side of things up and running financially. So I was about to go back into my software career last year, and they said, "Well, don't do that. Why don't you work for us full time?" So I've been doing that, but that's a temporary thing through June. So here in just a few months, we'll find out uh, what I still do for my day job. So you do you is there a thing that is a is redemption group a thing that you want to try to have interest or people bring like what is the thing that you would want people to do with it? what is your hope for that to to, to either spread it or for the what? network or for any particular person that comes into a group no for, for your nonprofit for redemption group itself like what is your goals for, for that over the next couple of years that it would be widespread or yeah or, yeah or I, I would like it to grow although we can't grow too quickly i think that's one of the problems that we had at mars hill was growing too quickly and some of the problems in redemption groups in the past because there were problems there too had to do with growing too quickly but what i'd like to do is build a, a, a very solid national or global network of deeply prepared uh group facilitators um so that we can have a network of churches that are um you know helping other churches get going with this ministry that's catalytic for their communities. Like you said, it's, it's even of all the things that were so painful about Mars Hill for a lot of people, redemption groups is something that, that, that stays with them as this enduring good thing for other people. What happened to them in redemption groups is part of what was the bad at Mars Hill. Yeah, there's so some there's bad things. Really varied there. experiences. And I believe both sides of that. Um, I, I believe both of those experiences are real, but um, so I've just been, um, diligent about cultivating a culture that I think is on purpose uh, healthy in particularly some of the ways that we learned the hard way at Mars Hill that was unhealthy. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that keep growing. 
So I don't, and, and I wanted to say too, in a nutshell, I know it's way too big, but I don't know if people outside of Mars Hill or whatever might understand what, when we're talking about Redemption Group and it being so powerful and mm-hmm. Matt crying and all that stuff. Is there, <laughs> in a nutshell, can, can you kind of explain it a little bit, like just what what you your goal is with Redemption Group? Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's an intense small group where people are dealing with the deepest troubles of life, and it's mostly around storytelling, but it's my storytelling within God's story. So we're storytelling God's story, and we're storytelling our own stories, and we're listening to other people's stories. So it's just spiraling through lots and lots of storytelling. So very narrative, very reinterpretive of my own life experiences and uh, who God is. So we are talking about, I mean, it's very common for people to talk about. It really is the most troubling stuff of life. Like then every possible thing I've been, it never stays surface. It goes to the most abusive situations and yeah. trauma and just it's the stuff that things. people a lot of times haven't been able to talk about maybe with anybody else on the planet i've heard people say often i have never told anybody else this before but also i think the experience that people can have is i really didn't expect to talk about this with church people before or at church i don't even think about it as at church because that's that feels like sunday morning and you're right. shaking hands and you're telling someone your deepest trouble that right. would be awkward you know, mm-hmm. but this is an environment that you, you're you're actually on purpose trying to cultivate safety and trust, so that we can take the risks of talking about these things, uh, assured of God's grace toward us. So, like, we should be able to talk about anything. And I wince at the thought that um, you were treated too aggressively in your group. I don't think I was. You don't think you were treated no, too aggressively? No, but I was. I per, me personally really mm-hmm. appreciated that. Yeah. Like I I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I still don't look back on that negatively, but I was pursued relatively aggressively because mm-hmm. I was given a front. That's mm-hmm. what was happening. I was glossing over. I was trying to bait something like, so they here's my out? problem, and they got called out okay, on it. Okay, well. And they went after me. I was like, oh. And they, they saw something that I never saw, yeah. and then I had to deal with it right so there. Is, and I felt is, safe. I wasn't, I mean, okay. and I, maybe well, everybody good. wouldn't. Then maybe that's a good example because yeah. one of our values uh, is candor. And I didn't even want to own that value a couple of years ago when we were kind of reassessing for cultural health and stuff. And I would say, what do we value here that's going to help this to be healthy? And I didn't even want to admit to the fact that we had, we, had, we do value candor, you know, open and sincere dialogue, even when it can be challenging if somebody thinks I'm full of shit, what does it benefit me yeah. to have them it's actually, be, not say that? It's actually I, being a good friend to somebody right. to be willing to speak with that kind of candor. Right. Unfortunately, though, you can be a jerk True. And legitimize it as candor when actually it's not. So we we have the values of gentleness and grace that we got to keep right there with candor. So hopefully then both can be refreshing together. And it sounds like maybe you did have a good experience of candor because if you were putting up a front, it's good that they were able exactly. to help you be honest and about that. And that's the problem we have in Christianity yeah. as well. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm a Christian. I need to be the nice guy. Oh, we need to make sure everybody's peaceful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you mm-hmm. know, there, there's a lot yeah. that gets... Yeah. Uh, neglected from that mentality, yeah. but so it's what you're offer. It's what you're offering with redemption groups because I I have read the book, so I think I know what you're going to say. But I'm still interested. Is there anybody that could get away with saying, "Yeah, I don't really need to go through that. I've kind of worked through everything," with without <laughs> having gone through something like redemption group? Would you? just kind of think, eh. Well, whatever. I have a careful and calculated answer to that question, Joey, as you would predict. Um, <laughs> I do think this is an experience that's almost certainly helpful for everyone at some time. I yeah. do not think we should be pushing one another into redemption groups 
It can be, I think it can be a really unproductive experience. Mm-hmm. It can be painful. It could be harmful. Honor their journey, baby. To, yeah. Honor their journey. It can be harmful to the one that goes into the group. It's not their time. But if you get three or four people in the group and, and they're just, they're not, like Matt said, ownership. They're, they're there because they want to get some work done, you know. Mm-hmm. If you got half a group of people that came in heel dragging. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and then you just had the podcast launch, which congratulations on that. You've been working hard on that. Yeah, yeah what's the podcast called? Redemption Walk. You can find it at redemptiongroups.com slash walk. And, or, and, yeah. and, and I really would. I, I think the book is actually a really good place to start to even get a, a clear picture of what you're talking about. Oh, so yeah. The only thing. Even though you eat. I'm sorry. Even though you want us to shut this podcast down, man, I definitely recommend it. Yeah. The other helpful thing about it. <laughs> just some context, because Toby asked, what is a redemption group? And you keep talking about the book. It's a book called Redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. Which I wrote and Crossway published in 2011. That's the curriculum that we use right. for the group. So we teach through chapter by chapter. That's actually going scene by scene through the Exodus. So when yes. I say we're telling God's story, specifically, it's the Exodus story. So it's from slavery to freedom. And there's just lots of themes in there that I think once you get yourself saturated in that story, mm-hmm. uh, it really comes to life and you're doing that with other people. So it's not like a Bible study. It's like this immersion into story. Yeah, an intense community group's a way to look at it. And the Exodus story itself is like, I mean, I've, I've known Exodus, whatever, for a long time, but wow, looking at it, like taking that group of Jews leaving Egypt and applying that to my life and the lessons that are in there and the way they must have felt. Very profound, very good. So I would encourage everybody to check that out. And Mike, thank you for participating in the show like this. Will you, would you hang in while we do some just, uh, you know, we're going to do the news and it will probably be irreverent. Can you say, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you never know, but we never know. You're welcome to it's walk away from the mic. So you don't like have to hang your chocolate. head in shame. You, yeah, you or can walk away now or you can stay, do it, But it will be irreverent. You can gamble or leave. All right. <laughs> In a world where a guy that you respect and just think is one of the smartest guys that you maybe have ever met is six months away from working in Arizona at Mark Driscoll's New Church Trinity. <laughs> My name is Toby. <laughs> My name is Toby Morales, the damn new. <laughs> That was a zinger. I knew it was coming, guys. I knew that was coming. I I knew tonight was going to be a good episode, not just because you were going. We have somebody in studio, but because Toby was going to have that pressure playing those songs early. I knew he'd be hot all all day. Yeah, after I got done with the songs, all bets are off. Man, I'm wild now. I'm wild. All right, Uh, how much time we got? Do I got time for one story or what? Probably one. You can fit two if they're quick. Okay. This this first one is just great. I'm just so happy about this news article. It comes from the National Post. And uh, roving reporter Jesse Braun just came through unbelievable on this one. And I don't know if you're going to get it at first, but it's just so good. Father awakened by his toddlers crying finds a disheveled stranger holding her in the living room. I mean, that, that's scary. Like, we that's all have scary. daughters. Yeah. Around 2.30 a.m. Uh, last Thursday, a father in Tempe, Arizona. <laughs> I could take this so many ways, but I'll leave that alone. Awoke to the sounds of his two-year-old daughter crying, so he left the bedroom to check on her. In his living room was a disheveled stranger, and on the stranger's lap was the father's young child. 
I'm your friend, the man told the father as he tossed the crying toddler onto the couch. This would just make me so mad. Uh, what what ensued after the startling encounter, as outlined in police reports, uh, was a 10-minute struggle between the father and the intruder, identified as 34-year-old Oren Aharon Cohen. Oren Cohen. Uh, as the child's mother called 911, the father attempted to stop Cohen from fleeing the apartment, police said. Cohen was able to escape the apartment and made it down a flight of stairs to the complex parking lot before the father called him. When Tempe police officers arrived, they used a stun gun to detain Cohen because he reportedly resisted officers' arrest. And so this is just intense. The dad's just crazy. I can't imagine, you know, having your daughter being held by this guy after investigating the apartment police said they discovered cohen's shoes in the two-year-old's apart uh, in the two-year-old's bedroom his coat was wedged between her mattress and the wall and his passport was on the floor near the foot of the toddler's bed police also found that cohen had been had used the restroom in the apartment and drank some orange juice from the family's refrigerator good god i know uh this is this really crazy uh Cohen told the police he had been drinking with a friend who lived in the same apartment complex, and he remembered very little because he was extremely intoxicated. Oren advised with 100% certainty that he did not perform or engage in any sexual acts with the victim of this incident. Once it was relayed to Oren that the victim in the incident was a two-year-old female, he became very upset and broke down crying. Oren said he would never hurt a child and uh, does not remember the details of this because he was blackout drunk. What Oren could, what what he could remember was seeing and playing with a midget in a dark room. <laughs> His descriptions of this midget match those of the two year old girl. <laughs> so. So, so he he got drunk and he was like, "Hey, a midget! This is awesome! I'm gonna party! This is unbelievable!" Now, this leads me to my question to you guys: I don't, I, I have never like I have drank a lot of alcohol in my life. I don't think I've ever been like I mean I've drank so much, had terrible hangovers, all this stuff. Never have I been blackout. Like, there's never been a time where I, <laughs> where the next day I was like, I don't remember anything. Right, I, uh, Matt. Has that happened to y'all? Like, I, I no. mean, Joey, you you haven't really drank that much, but I mean, do y'all believe in the ba- blackout myth? Like, well, you think this guy saw a midget? Well, I, I put it this way: <laughs> I'd be more likely to have blacked out when I find myself in an interrogation room. Right, I, I would be yeah. more likely to to speak, not remember something at, at that time. I, I mean, that sounds hard to to believe overall, but it's. The shocking thing is just the notion that an intruder could could get in there and be that casual in a, a foreign apartment. And I have heard stories of that before. As somebody we've been on tour with, I can't remember who it is. It might have been Dave from Boys Night Out. Who was it? Somebody was. Do you remember the story, Toby? Somebody was staying with, like, after a, a show. Somebody will say, you can stay at my apartment, whatever. And so you can, you yeah. go and everybody will crash out and sleep on the floor at somebody's apartment. So I believe it was I believe it was Dave Costa from Boys Night Out, and he said he had gone in to somebody's apartment after a show, and they were staying there. And then he went outside to smoke and then came back in and just came back in the wrong apartment and was sitting there hanging out doing stuff, and it was drunk and stuff like that until the people yeah. in the house came out and like, what are you – and he was, he was an intruder. He was a drunk person being an intruder, and he just went back to the wrong apartment. The door was open, and there you go. So I, I suppose that could happen, but I don't. I don't really see any explanation for his uh, for 
how you could get in an apartment like that and just do that. The only thing that ever happened to me, and this is a true story, this was probably when I was, I mean, I was drinking a lot pre-21 years old, but uh, I can remember my friend and I went back to this girl's house, this girl he was dating, and uh, I slept in this room, and I drank so much that I didn't know, and I was in a different place, though, and I didn't remember this at all, but the next day he said, dude, what was that all about last night? And I said, I have no idea. I said, I don't know, but, but I was, I, I remember going to bed. I don't remember. So I, I, I feel like I, this isn't blackout, but he said that in the middle of the night, he heard unbelievable banging from coming from my room on the wall, like just bang, <laughs> banging, banging, banging. And he walked in and I was standing in front of the closet and I looked at him and said, the bathroom door won't open, and I started peeing in the closet. <laughs> that's sleep. That's not. I mean, you may be blackout, but that's but sleepwalking. That sleep, right. That's sleepwalking. Right, that's sleepwalking, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I, so I don't even know if you can actually. I, I just don't know. I, I, I don't know if I believe in all the blackouts. So, Joey, hey, you've y'all, never been. Have y'all, Joey, have you've y'all never seen, been blackout have drunk? Y- have y'all seen the documentary on a guy that basically committed murder, and he swears with tears that he was sleepwalking? Like he went down to his pool and actually stabbed someone and says he does not remember anything. I mean, that that's genius if he's lying because he's very convincing. Do, do y'all think that's true? Like I've, I, there's tons of people that say they sleepwalk and do something terrible. I, that, I mean, it, I've, I, I've definitely seen my brother when I was growing up at home. I definitely saw my brother walk to the front door and my dad opened it. And my brother walked straight out. My mom freaked out. I was like, Virgil, get him back inside. So who knows what he would have done. Maybe he would have shot up some people. Jess, my wife, will get up in the middle of the night. Oh, these are uh, great stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's all it's always the same. But it'll be like when I come to bed, because I go to bed later than her, she'll sit straight up and she'll go, turn on the light. There's a spider. <laughs> turn on the light. There's, a, there's an orange spider on the ceiling. And she'll say that all the time. And it's just um, it's, it's horrific. And I always laugh. And Matt, I don't know if you can answer this question. Is there any scientific proof that if you wake a sleepwalking person, they'll die? No. That's <laughs> you heard that before? <laughs> but this does I've bring up that. a thing. We can do another quick news story if you got it. But it does bring up a confession I have to make. I don't have two daughters. I've got one daughter and one midget. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. That's why George is so good at stuff like walking and talking. Wait She's a minute. She's actually a grown midget. It's not really a kid. Wait. No, it, it can happen. You're telling me you don't have like a four year old daughter. You have a 37 year old midget. It's a mid- she's a she's just a midget, right? <laughs> I think it's called little person. Like, I, well, it's an easy mistake. I, it, I mean, in the article, the, uh, you call her uh, midgets wrong, right? In it, little person, I little people. I have no idea. Okay, all right. Well, I wanted to get this from the Washington Post, but um, I didn't, and I hope this doesn't go too long because I was just I can't believe it. But this came from a uh, roving reporter, Daniel Gilligan. Uh, man who says he's a woman dominating weightlifting, <laughs> women's weightlifting. Man who says he's a woman is dominating women's weightlifting. A man who identifies as a woman has made the switch over to women's weightlifting and is dominating the field. Shocking. Uh, Laurel Hubbard, a transgender woman from Kiwi, and this is over, uh, over in Australia and uh, New Zealand, actually. Uh, took a commanding win in Sunday's Australian international event in Melbourne. The athlete wrecked the biological women's uh, women during the showdown, setting four national records. Hubbard lifted in a combined total of uh, 268 uh, kilograms, uh, 19 kilograms better than the silver medalist 
uh, Lenaria Sapaya of Samoa. The 39-year-old weightlifting champ previously competed in men's national weightlifting before his transition during his mid-30s. While LGBT activists are praising Hubbard for his participation and dominance in the field, some of the weightlifters, biologically female competitors, are less than thrilled with the situation. Mm-hmm. She is who she is. Um, I can't say much more than that is what one of them said. Now, is, is this not clear? Is this not clear cut? Like, is it not? This is a guy with some testosterone and muscles that these females don't have, and he has an unfair competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. Is that not clear? What do you what do y'all think about this, Mike? Do you want to go ahead and authoritatively settle the whole trans issue uh, on the record? If you want to go, just go ahead and do that. That would be easy, the easiest way to handle it. <laughs> he says, "I do not." <laughs> yeah, Toby, I think that's a fair statement to say. I mean, it, we're we're talking a very practical matter right now. All right, so maybe you can make an argument to say, okay, that's that's the gender category that he needs to be competing in. But we can all say unfair. Yeah. She competing in unfair. No, why? why, She has an unfair advantage. Why? But why does it make me uh, uh, a a transphobe or a terrible person if I say whatever you want to be, you be it. You are not allowed to compete against in, in this in this event. You are not allowed to. Right. I, I mean, it's just, it makes no sense to me. Like, right. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I know people are going to say I'm insane for saying this, but to me, I put it in the same category as me saying I should play uh, varsity football with varsity players. And hey, I'm I'm older, but you should just let me on. They'd be like, no, you got man strength. You can't do that. Like, but it's just I mean, practical. It, it's not the it. inevitable outcome is that very soon we're going to have all female WNBA no, players. that's not the inevitable uh, that, outcome, I don't think. No, but why wouldn't you? <laughs> if if you couldn't get in the NBA, I mean, why would you go to, you know, another – why would you go to Spain and play basketball in, in, the, in the men's basketball if maybe you could say, hey, I'm a woman, and then you're the best in the so WNBA? So you're suggesting that soon, if you don't quite make the 12th round of the draft or however many NBA has, just all those people are just going to flip and go WNBA? That, Is that what you think is going to happen? It sounds worse when you say it like that. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, like, like seriously, people take it. Uh, think, look at the government. Uh, people take advantage of every possible thing they can. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it, if this guy is this lady, this 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 person thinks that they're a female, and so they get an advantage that nobody else gets. Nobody else can take testosterone. Nobody else can take, you know, uh, any other thing. And, and so I just don't I, – I, it just seems completely unfair to people that have worked their – that silver medalist yeah. worked her entire life and would have won. I don't think anybody thinks medal. it's fair. I, I think everybody fundamentally understands it's not fair in the competitive way. But Joey but said it really well. He's like, yes, she is totally – can be totally validated but not – it's not fair for her to be in this competition. That that that's that should be an okay stance, right? It doesn't that's have to I be. Said. You don't have no, to. No, Joey hate didn't the say that. I said that. Disagree but, or disallow okay. the, what they are choosing to do. But why do I'm fine with whatever anybody wants to do? Do whatever you we'll want to do. Spend out. as much spend as much money as you want. Do whatever you want to do. Am I obligated to call her a she? Just because yeah, she, yeah, basically, this yes. person wants Essentially, to. Yeah, that but, is the case, yes. uh, yeah, but why? Why is that? Why am I like? I don't care. You can do whatever you want. 
do whatever you want. I will not stop you. I, I, I'm okay with passing all laws, whatever it is. I, I'm, I'm for it. Do whatever you want in this life. I'm totally for that. Why do I have to do something to so, more than that? Just well, societally, you're to, just going to have to. To me, it's a loving to, thing. I think it's it's an act of love, just to respect. Yeah, them. I think you're just going to have to. I mean, you don't have to have to free speech wise, but you would be compl- like basically I, I you I'm would not, be I'm compelled just, just the what if you were face to face with that person. You would not. You would have to be a dickhead to disrespect them to go. You're not a she. You're a he. You you and your character sure. would not actually yes. do that. Is my point. No, no, and I don't do that. You're right. Yeah. I w- I would call them a you, she. You I'm, could I'm free speech. Mike, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I've seen him do it. My, Mike I'm is very Mike. silent on this issue. Yeah, scary <laughs> silent, Mike, on this one. <laughs> your silence is deafening, Mike. Yeah, your silence <laughs> is speaking a lot. <laughs> oh, it says, it says so much. Okay, that's the damn news. All right. Well, oh, well I, I just want to uh, speak out the elephant in the room. Mike right now is wondering why in the hell did you keep me on for that segment? I said he could leave if but he then, Yeah, sorry, Mike. But then secondly, thank you, Sean Campbell, Tyrone Reimer, Christian Big Dong Johnson. That's a little repetitive, I think. Uh, Colin Williams, Matthew Weida, and Hayden Pierce, new members of the BC Club. We really do appreciate appreciate you guys. You guys can go to thebcclub.com. And then a quick update on Facebook. The votes are as follows. 69 people say that Toby did it. He made a worship song. Wait, wait, wait. You said 69? Wow. 69 people. And there's nine people that say whatever. You call that a hit. Try again. I'll read one comment from Matthew David Smith. They work at Best Buy. Those songs would make it in CCM Top 40 radio easily because uh, they sound like all the others on those stations, therefore safe. And lastly, T.O. Knowles, I'll be pitching these songs at worship band practice. You done it, boy. Right on. Okay, so anybody that wants to join the BC Club, we greatly appreciate it. That's how you support an independent podcast like this. Uh, if you know, we feel like you'll get a lot out of joining our community, our Facebook group. You get an extra episode that's even more unfiltered and raw that every week from us that we do before we do this episode. And we'd love to have you join our group. You can do that thebcclub.com. Emory has a new record. We're crowdfunding now. We're way past our goal. We don't really need your money, but we assume you want to get in on it early like everybody else. So go ahead and go to emorylp7.com if you want to get on this train as it leaves the depot. Anything else? Yeah, I'll make a shameless plug for Pastor With No Answers episode coming up this Monday. Uh, Mike and Trisha are a pretty dynamic couple together, and you actually do hear Trisha's story uh, specifically about Mars Hill, and obviously a lot of it has to do with Mike and her, so it is a... uh, it's a doozy. It's very good. So tune in Monday on yeah. Pastor with No Answers. I, I, I'll end with uh, also. I'm going to do a shameless plug. The Unstoppable Badass is Hell me, yeah. and, me and my friends listening to sermons and critiquing them pretty terribly. <laughs> yes. The kind of thing that Mike wouldn't like at all. So Mike, <laughs> I recommend you not listening to it. It will you won't you won't make it past probably 30 seconds. But right anyway, on. all right, I'm going to do our sign off in love and light, and Mike's radiant silence. We are the Bad Christian Podcast.
You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.